I'm not who you think I am. You may know me pretty well. You may know me just a little bit. You may not know me at all. But I'm not who you think I am. In this era of self-identity, when a person is whoever they say they are, whoever they want to be, how do you and I self-identify? By the time I'm finished, and I hope that won't be too long, you'll know that I'm not who you think I am. A long time ago, I found an article that was entitled, Musings on Me. And in that article, it suggested that we spend considerable time throughout life pondering the philosophical question, who am I? Do I know who I am? I've thought about it quite a bit. Sometimes I think, not only don't know who I am, but I don't know why I'm here. This old earth could have got along very well without me. And so I think about it once in a while. Who am I? Do you know who you are? Are you the same person today that you were yesterday? Our text is John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 42, where Jesus said, You are Simon, you will be Cephas. Are there some changes that are supposed to take place? I want to think with you about that. Does Jesus want us to change who we are? Say, have you ever said, I'm just not myself today? If you have, I wonder what you had in mind. And when are you, you? I, I don't know the answer to that question sometimes when I consider me. Aristotle said, there are six different Aristotles. Faust said, two people live in me. As I muse on me, do I see more than one me? Jesus is not suggesting that Simon was unreal, but he was suggesting that there was something more for Simon down the road. Who am I? I, uh, I ran across a article. I guess thank the Lord for the internet. Uh, where I found this, maybe you saw it. How do we self-identify? Auburn, California. Local 36-year-old man, Nate Ripley, who identifies as a six-year-old, absolutely crushed a game-winning homer at a local t-ball game and won the championship for his team Monday evening, reports confirmed. Ripley reportedly walked up to the plate in the bottom of the sixth, pointed his bat toward the left field wall looming 130 feet in the distance, let it rip, sending the ball rocketing over the fence into the adjoining parking lot. 
as the fans cheered and his coach yelled out, Attaboy, Nate, good job. His team, the little Padres, attempted to hoist him on their shoulders in celebration of their great victory over their favored tiny tigers, but were unable to pick up the 230-pound man. Ripley's feat comes at the end of a momentous t-ball season in which the self-identified six-year-old absolutely shattered every record set prior to that point. With a 1,000 batting average, 52 home runs, and an incredible showing, the man is being called an inspiration to all other six-year-olds throughout the world. I'm just proud to be here, he said. It's all for the team. I couldn't have done it without them. The age of self-identity. Who am I? Who are you? And does our master have something in mind for us so that he could look us in the eye and say, you are and you will be. I want to be that will be. I think you do also, and we want to talk about it. Uh, speaking of this self-identity age, have any of you ever watched, this is back in the 90s, I think, ever watched the uh, British sitcom entitled Keeping Up Appearances? If you've ever heard it or seen it, raise your hand so I'll know I'm talking to someone. Okay, Keeping Up Appearances. The central character is an eccentric and snobbish lower middle class social climber, Hyacinth Bucket, who insists that her surname be pronounced Bouquet. The sitcom follows Hyacinth in her attempts to prove her social superiority and to gain standing with those she considers upper class. Her attempts are constantly hampered by her lower-class family, whom she is desperate to hide. Much of the humor comes from the conflict between Hyacinth's vision of herself and the reality of her underclass background. In each episode, she lands in comical situations as she battles to protect her social credibility. Who am I? Am I a hyacinth bouquet? What does God want to say to me about who I am? My wife, Marion, found out just recently who she is. Born in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, at Jameson Hospital on January 7th, 19-something. She, she was greeted four days later by Howard and Anna Duff, who had made the arrangements to adopt her. They had requested, because you go through an agency back then, and some of the details were different then than they are now, but they had requested an Anglo-Saxon, blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby, 
And when that blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby came on the scene, they were called, and they went and adopted her. They decided not to tell her, and uh, there were many years that passed before any hint of her adoption surfaced until one of her friends, member of a church family who kind of knew the details, whispered to her, I think you're adopted. And, and she went to her parents and said, is it true that I was adopted? And they said, no, you're ours, you're our natural baby. And then at the time of our wedding, her adoptive father came to her and said, I have to tell you the truth, you were adopted. But we know very little about you except our request. The state of Pennsylvania had sealed birth certificates for those who were to be adopted. No one was allowed to look at them. And so we knew very little until just a short time ago, a couple years, a year and a half maybe, the miracle of the DNA tests came about and we sent for one and she followed the directions and sent it in and it came back that she had a second cousin over in New Jersey. And so they corresponded and he suggested that she asked for her birth certificate. The state of Pennsylvania had just recently opened them and you can have your birth certificate. And so we made arrangements to receive her birth certificate. When it arrived, she asked me to open it and asked me to read it. And if I felt as though she didn't want to hear what was on that birth certificate, to just throw it away. And so I looked at it and chuckled a bit you see, the, the reason they wanted an Anglo-Saxon, blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby was because back then there was a bit of tension in that town as there was in many of those western Pennsylvania towns between the immigrants from Italy who had come for work and the Anglo-Saxon population who considered themselves superior. And I read the birth certificate. My wife's name, her real name, the name she was born with, is Marion Joanne Pesquini. Can you imagine? Marion Joanne Pesquini. Since then, we've found she has a sister. And that sister has a son and daughter, and so we have a sister and nephew and niece and their families and it's been a wonderful wonderful experience the birth the christmas card that she sent i just read last night she wrote on it i'm so glad you have come into my life my wife now knows who she is you are simon you will be cephas who is this simon I'm sure if you were to ask his friends who he was, they would say he was a fine guy, good friend, maybe a bit boisterous, maybe a bit crude, but a, a good guy, and he shows some 
leadership tendencies. We like, we like Simon Peter. If you were to ask Simon who he was, he would probably think well of himself. We seldom see ourselves as others see us. In fact, when we look in a mirror, we see ourselves the other way around. And he probably said he was a fine guy, great husband, good leader. In fact, he was known and honored for the wonderful care he gave to his mother-in-law when she was ill. A great guy. Jesus saw Simon as he was, and he looked beyond today to what Simon was going to become as a result of the choices that he was going to make in the future. Jesus could know that kind of thing. It wasn't as much predestination as it was the knowledge that this man is going to make wise choices. You will be. Cephas, who are you? Two psychiatrists were walking toward each other along the sidewalk. When they got real close to each other, one pointed to the other and said, you're fine, how am I? We need to know who we are. Do you know who you are? Simon means heard, and uh, he certainly was heard. He spoke a lot and spoke loudly, and he was heard. Cephas means rock. Jesus knew that this man, who was in, at times unstable, would become a stable person. In fact, a leader in the New Testament church. Now, that phrase is in the first chapter of John. Move now to the last chapter of John and the conversation between Jesus and Simon, the same man. Jesus asks Simon, do you love me? And Simon says, of course, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. Again, Jesus asks Simon, do you really love me? And Simon said, of course, Lord, I know you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. The third time, Jesus asked Simon, do you love me? Simon said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And Simon learned in that conversation what he had been learning all along, but now was kind of finalized in that wonderful conversation, that Serving the Lord, feeding his sheep, what we do in his name is good and important, but not nearly as important as loving Jesus Christ. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Do you love me? Getting to know Jesus is a lifelong process. I'm, I'm living in God's waiting room now, and it's been a lot of years have gone by. And the process continues. Getting to know Jesus 
is a lifelong process. The Apostle Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. One of my favorite authors of years gone by was a man named J. Sidlow Baxter. And in talking about getting to know Jesus, he decided to write a poem about it. And this is the poem that he wrote. That I may know him, ah, I long to know, not just the Christ of far gone years ago, nor even living on a heavenly throne too high and distant to be really known. I long to know him closely. This is how, alive and in this ever-present now, it's, it's different to know about him and to know him. Communicating his all-conquering power within my heart this very hour, who now no longer lives from me apart but shares his resurrection in my heart. I want to know him that way. We're closing out a decade, we're closing out a year, and we're entering a new year. And I, I would like to suggest that a monumental decision could be that I may be Simon today, but I want to be Cephas at the end of this year. I know him, but I want to know him better and better as each day passes. I want to be able to say at the end of 2020, I know Jesus better, and I love him more deeply than ever before. I'm different. I was Simon, but now I am Cephas. Say, Saul of Tarsus. Jesus would say, I know you. I know all about you. We know his history. You are Saul of Tarsus. You will be the Apostle Paul. And he looks at each one of us and has something similar to say. You are Simon. You will be Cephas. I don't know who wrote it, but it stuck with me for 50 years. If I but for a moment could be the man God meant, I never more would be the man I am content. I want to be the person he hopes I will become. I can talk about several years ago, because that's about all I remember. We were at a we were at a Gaither concert, and there was a couple who sang several songs before the Gaithers came out on stage. Henry and Hazel Slaughter were their names. And they sang a song that struck me, and then I'd forgotten it until yesterday. And I'd never sung it, but I remembered something about it, and so I looked it up. Isn't the internet wonderful? And there they were, and on YouTube they sang it. 
and it went like this. Oh, I'm not, not going to sing it. Since Jesus came and found me and put his arms around me and all my binding fetters took away, although I've loved him dearly and trusted him sincerely, I've never loved him better than today. I've never loved him better than today. I've never felt him closer on the way. And oh, the, how sweet the feeling when in his presence kneeling, I've never loved him better than today. The suggestion is that I can love Jesus better. I can know him more closely, more developingly tomorrow than I do today. Wouldn't it be a noble suggestion that we embrace that passion? Serving him is important, don't, don't get me wrong, but there's nothing more important than loving and knowing Jesus.